Welcome to Limitless with Abby Scholes. I hope that this podcast encourages you by sharing stories of the hardworking, innovative individuals that are involved within the agricultural industry. Ultimately, my prayer is that this podcast will be used to positively impact your life. This is Abby Scholes, and I hope that you enjoy this episode where I use my voice for his purpose. Now let's go meet our guests and show the world how we all can be limitless. So before we head into the episode, I just wanted to stop and say really quick, um, for those of you that know my family, um, you know today is my dad's birthday, uh, Mike Scholes. Um, And so I just wanted to take a little bit of time just to say thank you. Um, My dad has given up a lot for me and my brother. Um, Him and my mom always just supported us in everything we did. Um, He hauled us to shows. Um, he did so much for us and still does to this day. And so thank you, dad, for, um, just the way you've poured into us. Um, I hope you have a great day at the classic (laughs) per usual every year. Um, you're usually unloading tack and setting up and everything. And so I just hope you have a great day. Um, thank you so much for all you do and we love you. On today's episode of Limitless Abby Shoals, uh, this is number 14, um, I have Dr. Brock Blazer in studio, so thanks for joining me, Dr. Blazer. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so a plant science uh, guy through and through, and so um, I know listeners of all different backgrounds will really enjoy hearing from you and just kind of how you got to WT. So um, the question we ask everybody, everybody on the podcast to start with, Dr. Blazer, is who or what in your life has encouraged you to be limitless? Wow, what has encouraged me to be limitless? You know, I think um, I think my faith is probably number one, and then I think uh, my family is close to that. Uh, yeah. And so, of course, they go hand in hand and everything. <laughs> yeah, so. that's two very important key components in a lot of people's life, and I know our listeners can resonate with that as well. So, very cool. So, kind of tell our listeners um, that may not know you, um, kind of how you got to WT, where'd you grow up, all the fun stuff. Sure. So I grew up, I was born and raised in southeastern Idaho. Uh, grew up there. My dad farmed until I was old enough to help. And then he <laughs> started teaching at the local community college. So nice. my older years in high school were actually working with him on the college's farm. So I was around agriculture all my life, but um, but uh, knew I also had an interest in teaching. And so as I went through my undergraduate and then degree, I was talking with somebody one day and they said, what do, you want to, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I said, I want to do international agriculture. And they said, well, you have to either have PhD at the end of the name or doctor at the beginning. And I said, well, <laughs> isn't that the same thing? I was pretty interested. He's like, yeah, you, just, you have to be respected in order to do that. So I knew early on I was about a sophomore in college and I knew I needed to go on to graduate school. And so uh, as I uh, went on to Brigham Young University to complete my, my bachelor's degree, I met my wife, we got married, we went to graduate school at Iowa State University and did my master's there and then I knew I wanted to still be something with international ag, I didn't know how I was going to work, but I also knew I wanted to probably kind of follow after my father who was in academia and my grandfather who was before him. And so that's really where I kind of got started with that. And then finished my PhD at Iowa State, had an opportunity to actually apply for this job here at WT and when I applied, uh, I saw it at first I was still a year away from graduating. And I was like, well, the timing's not right. It's not going to work. And so next thing I know, a year later, I'm looking for job opportunities, and this job is open again. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so I was like, what happened here? So I applied and reached out and and uh, got an interview. And I actually had an offer um, from another university when I interviewed here. And when they called me, they said, we want you to interview. And I said, well, I already have an offer somewhere else, and I, you know, I, don't wanna, I need to let them know. And they said, we'll let you know within a week. 
And I was like, well, based on what the other place told me and the timing, that would be the same time, so I well, got to go find out. So I came and I interviewed, and I was really relaxed because <clears throat> I already had a job offer. So if it didn't go well, <laughs> I'd go, ac- go accept the other one. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so as I, I uh, when I came on campus, I just started meeting the faculty and the students and the staff, and I was in such a good, relaxed position, I finally started asking them, why are you here? Why did you leave all these land-grant institutions? Why did you leave Texas Tech and Oklahoma State and New Mexico State and A&M to come here? And all the faculty kept saying, you come here, you get the support of the, of the community, you get the support of the industry, you get the support of the uh, administrators, the students are fantastic, the community is wonderful, that's why we're here. Yeah. And so as I left, I thought, well, I better give this a full <laughs> consideration if an offer comes. And and they literally called me the next day and offered me a job. And so my wow. wife and I said, well, which one do we want? And which one is the right one? And and I said, well, not that salary matters or anything like that, but I just felt better about coming here. And we came and visited as a family a couple of weeks later. And my wife said, I walked on campus and went, yeah, we're supposed to be here. Wow. And so we got here in February of 2009. Wow. And been here um, when the department was 450 students, and now we're <laughs> double so, that, yeah. So it's been fun to ways. watch that, that all happen. Yeah, that's really cool. It's a fun story. I think a lot of faculty, it's cool, like just how everyone like got here. Like you're kind of saying, like everybody kind of has a story um, that's unique to them, but like similar to that of like it just felt right. Like I don't know, like Dr. Keith was even talking about when he got bobbed, if you will. <laughs> like yep. he just showed up and like it worked out, and so it's cool. Like that you just, I don't know, it just kind of fell into your lap and it's cool how God works like that sometimes of just putting you where you need to be yeah. uh, at the right time, so. Absolutely, we're glad we're here. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So, um, kind of tell our listeners, how is like the, you know, being a professor at WT, you've been here for a little over a decade, um, how has that kind of shaped your life and um, kind of on that, with that, how has the student um, body just kind of impacted you, I guess? I love that question. You know, I think for me, the thing that I love so much about being at WT is um, just the culture. And I think a lot of people say that, and it's hard to describe it, but there's something different about the culture and the attitude here at WT, in the community. Um, just, you know, I mentioned as you asked at the beginning what, what motivates, and, you know, faith is a big part of that. And it doesn't matter which church anyone goes to, everyone has faith in God and faith yep. in something more than this. And you don't get that in a lot of parts of the country. Yeah. And, and even in in certain parts of the world where you think it would happen. And so to me, that's a big part of it, that you can have that peace and that, you know, comfort with your colleagues and friends to be able to be who you want to be versus worrying about <laughs> political and social and even those things exist. Yeah. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think the same thing for students. You know, when I travel with students to contests and conferences and stuff, um, there's, there's a... Um, a maturity that comes in our students and an attitude that um, you don't see in every other university students that you, that we associate with. And so it's hard to describe until people come and they go, there's something special here. And, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's and that's it. And I didn't yeah. appreciate that till I got here, you know, and then yeah. I was here and I was like, no, this is where you want to be. And I thought, well, sure, you know. But, yeah. you know, we, we, we have to still do our part as professors in the publishing and, the, and all those things the research and the teaching make sure we're excelling but that's there's no pressure to do that here it's just do your job and you're appreciated for what you're doing and you see success with your students and the work you're doing and so 
that attitude of students, I think, is a big part of that, too, that they want to be here. Yeah. And that makes a big difference. Yeah, that's for sure. I think that's kind of what um, ultimately, like, brought me here. Like, just the culture, like you're saying, is just so different here. Um, I had a visit to here and then um, just another university a little bit south um, on back-to-back days. So I think I was at WT on Thursday and then the other one on Friday. I could not tell you how different those two universities could have been like it was night and day I mean my parents I've told the story on the podcast before so people are listening they're probably gonna hear the story 10 times but I love it um I was sitting in the I guess in the kind of office part of you know faculty offices and Dr. Keith came out and Dr. Pond came out and Michael was there and we were just talking with uh, my family and like everyone just took like a genuine interest in like who I was and where I came from and like why I was even looking at a school eight hours south of my home you know like that's mm-hmm. not really a common thing for some students um, it just shows like how different and um kind of yeah just how special this place is I think um a lot of times like students get caught up in the numbers and it's a small university but I think that works to our benefit a lot of times I mean I'm in Dr. Blazer's plant science class right now and I do not like plants I was actually dreading his class <laughs> when I had to put it on my schedule but it's been fun to like and she, and she still took it and she even asked me to be on this podcast <laughs> yeah I know I'm really nice no I'm just kidding but um just like getting to know your professors as people and like what they're interested even if like the subject matter they're teaching isn't you know your most favorite I still have come to appreciate you know what you do and everything so that's been really fun so kind of switch gears Dr. Blazer you've talked about it in class before so I have a little bit of backstory on this but our listeners don't um tell a little about your international travel you said you wanted to do that when you're young and so tell them about um, what you've been able to do sure um you know I grew up in southeastern Idaho and and you know, when you're a farm kid and those that have that background know, you don't really do a lot of traveling. You know, <laughs> yeah. What are you going to travel? Travel to town. <laughs> yeah, you, you get to go to town to, you know, maybe go to McDonald's or something, right? You don't get to do That's only a good day. Uh, but I had the opportunity when I was uh, in high school or even junior high and then down to high school, I was involved in Boy Scouts and I did a, uh, uh, some traveling with Boy Scouts and Jamboree. And then I had the opportunity to go um, to an all-star um, football experience in Australia after I graduated from high school and that just kind of put a little bug in my my ear of things that I wanted to do more and then I had the opportunity to uh, serve a mission for my church for two years and was uh, called to serve in South Africa and spent two years in South Africa and as everyone would say that has those opportunities it just it just changed changed who I was changed what was important you know I remember coming home and driving past all these huge homes that aren't anything extravagant. Some were very nice to get to, back to my house. And I just, and my parents will tell you, I just got sick to my stomach. And I was like, oh my gosh, you people, you people, I'm part of them. Right? But, <laughs> but it was just, I was so embarrassed for my 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 wealth, the wealth of those around me, the, the comforts that we had. You know, I was teaching people that lived in tin shacks the size of this room, you yeah. know. And, and so that really impacted me. So then when this... My, my teacher um, at the community college said, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I want to go do something international. That was really what started it. And then as I went to graduate school, I had an opportunity to do a study abroad trip. We went to um, Ukraine, and that was a, a really cool experience to kind of have my eyes open to some of the challenges in, in that part of the world. Um, had an opportunity to travel back to South Africa a few different times and been to China, Vietnam, a few places with different uh, uh, faculty and other groups. And so just to be there and see, to realize, I think a few things I've learned is, first of all, 
it's not as foreign and crazy as people make it out to be. <laughs> yes. Um, even though definitely different, but I think at the same time, there are some significant differences that uh, really help people, help me especially, but help people, I hope, others get their eyes open to the fact that we're pretty spoiled. Yeah. Uh, we have we have so much, and if we have so much, what are we doing with it? You know, yeah. How can we do? How can we do better to help and serve and help help others grow out of where they're at? Yeah, that's very true. Um, I was able to travel to Mexico um, this past November at the beginning of the month, and um, it's kind of like you talk like it kind of. I was only there for three days, like it wasn't very long, but it just changes like the way you see life, like the things that you take for a lot, take for granted at home, like signs that are in all English. Like I never like had noticed that obviously because we live in a predominantly English speaking country, but like you just notice the little things of like, wow, <laughs> that makes my life a lot easier when I can actually read what's on the menu, you know, mm-hmm. I can actually read when it's in um, the correct currency, you know, just little things. And especially the people, I mean, I went and we were, I'm sure you had a similar experience when you were in South Africa and beyond, but we were in the street, parked, like just going places with people that were from Guadalajara. And there were people, like families on the side of the street that would come out at, at a like red light and would start washing like your wheels or like start washing your windshield, like just for some pesos. And like, I was like scared. I'm like, these people are gonna get hit. But the lady that was driving us, she's like, no, like that's that's how they make a living. Like this, this is their work. And like, that was just such a, like a foreign concept to me. I've never seen something like that. We have, you know, beggars on the side of the street, but like I've never seen people like physically in the street with their small children running on the side as they're like washing windows. I thought that was just crazy. And one night in particular, we were, it was dark out. And so Guadalajara, Mexico with 8 million people is a little scary for an American sometimes when you're um, experiencing that. And we're driving back to our hotel and um, this guy, I, I was in the back seat and then the lady I was traveling with is in the front seat on the passenger side and um, the girl was from Mexico was driving us and she stopped and rolled down her window. This guy, homeless guy came up to her window and he had only one leg and she was just giving him money. And like in the United States, like we would never do something like that. Like it's just such a different way of like how they view people. And she rolled up the window and the lady I was traveling with, she goes, what did you just do? Like, like, what was that exchange? And she goes, oh, he had, he only had one leg. I was just giving him some money. And like, a lot of times, like here in the U.S., like we just turn a blind eye to those people and are like, oh, you're not important. So yeah, well, international. Us, right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We don't know what their motives are. Um, but those people just like, know they need help and they're just willing, which I don't know. <laughs> there could be two opinions on that, but yeah, definitely absolutely. crazy for sure. So, well, kind of changing um, pace a little bit, um, and this might be a similar answer to the first question I asked you, so if it's the same, it's okay. Um, but who's been the most influential person in your life and why? Hmm. You know, I think that's probably changed over my life. Yeah. Who's been most influential, I think. Um, I watch... Um, just different times and different situations where I've been. Um, I would say over the last several years, my wife and we've been married for 21 years, so I would say she's definitely one of those most influential. Um, and, and my kids are as well. You know, I've talked about faith and family, and I think that's that's the big thing is um, why do you do what you do? Yeah. You know, one of the things with uh, any profession, but I think especially in something like academia, is you can get really caught up in all the extra things that you need to do, the publishing, the research, the doing extra time to prepare your class, all those things that I just had um, 
our, our department head when I first got here, Dr. Hawkins, who's passed away several years ago, um, he just, I remember him coming to my office one day, it was like 5.05, and he said, why are you still here? So I'm not just finishing this, whatever, he says, no, you go home. If you can't take care of your family and your wife, then you'll never be successful here. Wow. So you go home. And I've, my wife's like, man, I just want to go give him a hug, which you always tell you know. <laughs> uh, but that's been a big motivation for me throughout my career now, is that's what I, I, I know, take care of business, do your job, but I'm going to go home. And sure, there's days where you got to stay longer for business. I'm not saying you just skip out because it's 5 o'clock. But, but to me, because my family is such my motivation and so important to me, then really that's, that I need to be there with them. You know, yeah. I have a lot of other responsibilities with church service and other things that, that will take me away from my family a lot in the evenings. And so there's pretty narrow windows of time where I'm going to be there and be with all of them. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a very good reminder because our world is so busy. Like we just get caught like doing things. And sometimes like it's great things that we enjoy that we're actually spending like meaningful time on. But sometimes it's like, like why was I spending so much time on that? You know, you can, mm-hmm. I'm sure you can look back at times like I know my sophomore year of college, I'm like, why did I spend all of that time on that? Um, but like, you know, Brandon, um, my boyfriend and I were talking and he goes, you know, Abby, you cut out the things in your life that are easiest and closest to you, to you. And when I moved to WT, I was having a hard time of like balancing school and having a boyfriend and having friends and making kind of a name for myself here. And it was so hard to like balance that. And he goes, you're cutting the people out that are closest to you because you know that they'll always be there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, <laughs> ouch, that hurts a little bit when those people are telling you that. And so, yeah, just go home. I think that's a pretty wise statement. I don't live with my boyfriend, but <laughs> but the same kind of concept applies of just be with the people that matter and who are supporting you. Yeah. Who will be there in the end? You know, yeah. You need to give your time and attention to your employer, of course. You know, I'm a huge advocate of making sure that, you know, I guess for my family. <laughs> don't slack. Um, but... In the end, you know, I hear people say all the time, yeah, I think I've got it backward. I think I haven't done this right and those kind of things. And it's like, not that I'm good at it. I mean, you can ask my wife and she'll say, he does great. But then there's other days it's <laughs> like, like, come uh, home. <laughs> honey, why are you not going to bed now? It's late. And I'm like, well, because now I'm catching up on the thing I didn't get done today at work. But I didn't get done. So um, there's a balance. But I think yeah. it's important that if we don't keep that focus, then then we're... Yeah, we're, we're missing the point. Yeah, exactly. That's really good advice. Hopefully everybody listens to that and takes that to heart. Cause, um, <laughs> it, but it helps you. I think it takes people a minute to like figure that out when they're starting their career of like, you're so, I think young people, especially like are so driven on like, this is where I want to go with my job. This is the steps I need to climb to get to this position. And like, sure, that's great. But like at the end, like, like you said, you can't take it with you when you go and you need mm-hmm. to be around people that fill you up and make you a better person because what matters most things that matter most yeah. should be a priority yeah exactly 100 percent. so um kind of talking about your life and um all the things you've gotten to do you've gotten to experience a lot of different things um what sticks out as kind of their most rewarding part to you dr blazer well i would say two things i think um in light of you know our conversation about career i think one of my favorite things is the interaction i get to have with students you know, and my colleagues at work is, I enjoy it. You know, I think sometimes we get so caught up in doing some of the things that you forget that. And traveling with students and, and, you know, sure, talking plant science, but getting beyond the academics into life, um, that's definitely a highlight for me. Um, And, of course, always proud of my family, like I've said. But I think the other part is my involvement in my church service. Uh, I think that's so important that when you 
Um, I've been blessed to be put in opportunities and positions with opportunities to interact with other individuals and to help focus on things that are most important, you know, when they, when they anchor themselves in God and focus on being better and overcoming weaknesses and, and turning, turning to Christ is really the biggest thing. And so to be a part of that, uh, that's an honor. Um, and, and I'm by no means good at it, but I should try. You <laughs> it's know, fun to be and, a and part. Be part of that. Yeah, that's awesome. So cool. Um, kind of going back um, to WT and, you know, your involvement here, you mentioned you're involved in a lot of your church and family and stuff. That's awesome. Uh, you also are involved quite a bit at WT, um, coach a couple teams. Um, kind of tell our listeners a little bit about that. Sure. So uh, when I first got here, I got a lot involved with uh, advising then the Farm and Ranch Club, now called the Agronomy Club. Um, and then as others came on, they kind of took on that responsibility. So my focus really has been on the crops judging team. And when I got here, in uh, 2009, I hadn't been here very long. Um, a colleague at uh, the university reached out and said, you need to be part of this crop stretching team, bring a team. And I'm like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> um, but slowly, we just kind of built it up. And, and every year, of course, in the Department of Ag, as most people know here, is there are lots of judging teams. You, <laughs> you, you don't want to get involved. You have to avoid them because they're everywhere. And, and <laughs> they'll get you. <laughs> they'll get you. And they'll suck you in. And even when you think you're good at one thing, they'll put you on another team and make you good at that too. Um, yeah. And so there's a little bit of that like, well, I guess I better get get a team up and going here because everyone else has one, you know. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it was been fun to get, get into the crop judging world because there are so many um, WT is known for their animal science, and so to be able to to bring to light some of the other ag um, disciplines in the judging world um, has been good. You know, I have never been around livestock judges, and so when I or horse judges, any judge for that matter, I didn't have that experience as an undergrad. And so when I came here and watched judges talking regions to the wall in the hallway, I just thought these people are crazy. <laughs> they're senile. <laughs> yeah, they are, they are. So now I just have fun with them and tell them they're, they're out of order when they walk by like, no, I just switched the top pair and everything. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm not, I don't know what I'm talking about. I just tease them. And so crowds judging is nothing like that. Um, and so it's almost kind of funny to even call it judging because it's really not a, a judging contest as it is more just a competition um, with knowledge and stuff. And so those opportunities preparing students you know you're you're making sure you're recruiting students that are going to be serious about it that are obviously taking education seriously that are mature uh most of the time but that are mature <laughs> tyler schneider yeah there's, oh, I'm there's, just there's a few that you know <laughs> i let them on just to you know be nice <laughs> just to give them that opportunity to maybe mature up a little bit but no i but to have that and then to travel with them yeah. um to watch them go compete and of course like you said earlier smaller school division two school we're not a land grant but to take them and have them compete with land grant institutions all over the country and compete with them equally. Uh, yeah. So it's taken years for our teams, but last year we got a third place overall finish, and that's the highest we've ever had a team place in the crops contest in the last, well, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Um, they used to be really good back in the 70s, <laughs> um, but, uh, but they haven't been that way in a long time. So that part is fun to see that success and to see the caliber of students that we are getting coming that we've always had the department, but not necessarily specifically in the plant soil science area, but now we're seeing mm-hmm. that they want to come and be a part of this because we see the same thing with the soils team with myself and that advancement of the plant soil science area that we haven't seen as much as we have in some of our other disciplines in the department. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, you know, I'm pretty involved in the opposite end of the spectrum of like livestock judging and uh, now kind of learning about meats, which is a whole different thing, <laughs> much different than you yeah. think it is. But it's cool, like, 
as a whole department, like, we're so different, but, like, so cohesive and, like, are very driven with the same goal. We obviously just had a national champion meets team. We've had national champion equestrian teams. Ranch Horse just won a national championship. Crops is known for doing awesome, and I'm sure they'll have a national championship coming soon. And so Mm -hmm. it's just cool to see, like, although, you know, they're completely different in the content and, um, you know, subject matter, if you will, like, they're still driven with the same goal and they you know everybody wants to be the best and um yeah there's no free passes it's not oh well you're a smaller school so you get a different division no no mm-hmm. <laughs> we are with the oklahoma states and AMs and tech yep. so that's really cool that um you guys are driven and willing to work hard yeah and i think it's just it's a credit to the students and the caliber of students that we get and yeah you know that's they want to do that they they probably play with, you know, it's that whole concept to play with a chip on your shoulder a little bit because we all are part of a smaller school. But, <laughs> yeah. But as I tell our students all the time, we're teaching the same thing that they're teaching anywhere else. And when you yep. show up at, you know, the job opportunity, they're not going to say, oh, was that a Division One, Two or Division Two school? <laughs> no. No, they're going to say, oh, you came from WT and you were, you have a solid education. And most of our employees are saying, we want, want your kids. kids, no offense to our <laughs> we want your kids. Um, I think it goes to just show like what we're doing here is working in you know what people long before you and I's time have been kind of starting is now paying off and our department and university is just growing tenfold. It's crazy. Um, had a conversation with Dr. Pond the other day about just like how this building was literally built with like empty spaces and they were bringing criminal justice and all different like majors to fill it and now like we can't even have extra people in here because we barely have enough for our own. Yeah, we, we have almost every classroom and every at every time slot throughout the day filled. It's crazy. And we're, we have classes in the spring semester right now that we're looking at trying to add more sections, and we're not sure where we're going to put them or who's going to teach them. Um, yeah. Which isn't the case all across campus, <laughs> but it is here. But it is Portland. here. Yeah, it's a good problem to have. And hopefully a new greenhouse is coming for y'all <laughs> yeah, soon. If this podcast can get me one of those, I'll, I'll speak every week for you. Dr. Pond, <laughs> that's a question there's, for you. There's a lot of others that maybe we'll start listening to can help as well. And, you know, we, yeah. we have great industry support across, across all of agriculture for sure. But those are the areas that obviously, as we see growth coming in, in the plant soil science area, that definitely need more attention. Yeah. So... And there's good kids here that want to do plant soil science and are, like, very passionate about it. Like, I like I mentioned in um, class with Dr. Blazer, but I take – we have a lab that goes to that class. And so Grady McAllister is my TA, and I, like, said something about dirt the other day, and we got in this whole discussion about soil and dirt, if you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> Grady. And so it's fun, though, that, like, I get fired up about lifestyle like stuff, like – it couldn't make a rip if it's soil or dirt to me, but like Grady mm-hmm. McAllister and sure Tyler Schneider can get spend hours yeah, discussing the difference between soil and dirt. Straighten you out. Yeah, that's and right. we need those people everywhere. I mean, everybody's important in the ag industry, so that's really cool. Well, as we kind of wrap up, Dr. Blazer, um, we kind of have a wide range of listeners listening, so kind of share uh, with them one piece of advice um, that you would give. Most important things. Um, that I encourage students and others that I've talked with is is to get your priorities and get it straight and put first things first. Yeah. Um, there's there's an order to things and if you don't know what the order is, figure it out before you just start acting. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's more things in life, there's more things to education. Um, just put the first things first and do them the right way. Yep. Um, so often we don't see that in the world today. It's people jumping around and having opinions and they don't have an education or background to do it. So I guess that probably be my advice is 
put those things that are most important first and um, the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, that's really good. Well, thanks so much for joining me. This is a lot of fun. I hope our listeners enjoy it. I'm sure they will. So, Thanks, Abby. Thank you for listening to this episode of Limitless. Share this podcast with a friend. Give us a follow on Instagram or Facebook. But most importantly, go use your God-given abilities to show the world how you can be limitless.